has your social network changed over the last few years? Many of us, as we age, begin to experience life changes that affect our social circles. So, for example, many of you listening right now may have gone to an office every day pre-COVID. And whether you loved or hated that job, you interacted with the same group of people every day. But perhaps now you work from home and only occasionally interact with some of those people over Zoom, WebEx, or Skype. Or maybe we've recently changed careers, or even recently retired. Maybe we're newly empty nesters. And many of us have slowed down as we've aged. We've let poor health, aches and pains, loss of energy and vitality prevent us from doing the things we loved to do when we were younger and healthier with our friends and family members. So my question is this, how do we stay connected in an increasingly disconnected world? Hello and welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Show. I'm your host, Kevin English. I'm the founder of The Silver Edge, and our mission is to help you get into the best shape of your life, no matter your age, so you can show up in the second half of your life as the healthiest, strongest, most vital version of yourself. We have a great show for you today. Molly Wiley is here, and she's going to share with us how we can harness technology to keep ourselves socially engaged as we age. But before we get to today's episode, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Tupood. Tupood makes amazing gym apparel and gym bags and backpacks, but they are hands down best known for their world-class lifting belts. In fact, Tupood is the official belt of USA Weightlifting. I'm a huge fan of these guys, absolutely love their gym backpack, and I love their weightlifting belts. I have two of the straight belts, and I've used them now for a couple of years. One of my favorite things about the lifting belts is all the different design options. If you like lots of bling, like say maybe some pink glitter, colorful, and funky patterns, they got you covered. Not really a bling person? No worries. They got you covered with solid colors and subtle patterns as well. Anyway, if you'd like to check these guys out, head over to silveredgepartners.com and click on the Tupood icon. And because you're a listener of this show, you can save 10% when you use the coupon code SILVEREDGE at checkout. Again, that's silveredgepartners.com. And make sure you use coupon code SILVEREDGE at checkout. That's SILVEREDGE all run together. Okay, enough of that. Let's get on with today's show. My guest today is Molly Wiley. Molly is a PhD candidate in gerontology and is the head of programming for Hank a new digital platform for people over the age of 55 to help connect them with other people and activities in their communities. Join us this week as Molly shares why it's so critical for us to remain socially connected and active as we age. I started our interview today by asking Molly, who's clearly not over 50 herself, what got her interested in studying gerontology. I'll start by saying... I consider myself a gerontologist by trade, and a lot of people ask me either, what is that? What is gerontology? Or the other you know, response I get is, oh my God, we need you. I'm getting older. I could really use your services. And so we hear a lot about geriatric, usually in the medical field. Gerontology is just basically research of aging, of old age. And so the program that I'm in right now, the PhD program, it's pretty holistic. We look at 
sociology, psychology, public policy, um, biology. And so it's a pretty well-rounded field and not everyone has heard of it necessarily. But people also ask me, you know, I'm 29 and they say, why would you get into this as you've asked? Not necessarily a sexy field and I'm young. And so people say, why would you do that? And I think my personal life has definitely infiltrated my interests here. So I'm the daughter of older people. I think by most people's standards, I have older parents. So my dad is 80. My mom is 73. So I can do the math for listeners. My mom was 42 when I was four and my dad was 50. And I think until you have my experience with parents that age, you might see older age as the dichotomies that we see in the media a lot of times. So you either see older people in nursing homes, in wheelchairs, homebound, or people can, the media can sometimes overcompensate and show older people jumping out of airplanes and running marathons. And they say, look, older people are strong too. What I have seen though, in my experience, is the realness and the nuances of aging. And I think that has really impacted how I view older age. And so my parents, they're very socially, mentally, physically active. They read books, they go to science class, they play bridge, they play golf. My dad told me the other day, I didn't even know he played the New York Times spelling bee game. And he said he's never missed a genius status. And so they're constantly surprising me. And they, there's something about the way they use their time. They use their time really wisely and with a lot of integrity. So they don't waste a lot of time. I know I'm sometimes guilty of scrolling on my phones for too long, more than I want to be. My parents and probably that generation, they do things that are emotionally meaningful to them. So my dad is a retired geriatrics physician as it happens to be kind of in the same field. And he still has journal articles piled up on his desk to keep up with the latest. And he has a big textbook of physiology that he still reads. My mom, she would probably maybe call herself partly retired, but she's a speech therapist and she still has her own practice out of her house. And so they're staying active in so many ways, but they also have limitations. So they're not jumping out of planes. My dad has rheumatoid arthritis. He was recently diagnosed and that makes him tired. He naps a few times a day. My mom has a lot of sensory deficits. She has hearing loss, balance loss. And so they're normal people to me. But I think the way I view their age and people their age is more of admiration and less of sympathy. And so that's sort of, that propelled me into the field professionally. I was a case manager at an aging nonprofit in Boston. I then started the PhD program at UMass Boston. And now I do work also with Hank, which I can get into a little later, but Hank's a digital platform that connects people 55 and over with people and things to do. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. And I think that that's very interesting. So those of us, the people that are watching this on YouTube can obviously see you are clearly not over 55. Uh, and you had mentioned that you're only 29 years old, but you came through this, it sounds like, honestly, right? You're watching older parents and seeing some of their, both their successes and their trials, right? As they're going along. And you mentioned that, uh, I just wanted to back up a little bit because you mentioned the way that media portrays aging and specifically not so much. I know you guys, that Hank platform is 55 and older. And so that captures a pretty wide audience of people. 
But the media does kind of have this, we have a couple of different ways, right? We see a lot of the, you know, kind of silver haired people. And I'm thinking of advertising specifically, they're advertising basically pharmaceuticals to older people for the most part, or we see, and I'm a little guilty of this and proudly guilty of this. We see people older doing amazing things, right? Being strong and fit and healthy and living their best life, right? So, but somewhere in between there is where probably the reality of this aging population is, right? They're normal people. They're at, at my age people's parents, your age people's parents, right? And they're people that are staying engaged, staying active, hopefully. Um, but there are people also who are coming up on that time of life where there's some new challenges in their life. And there's, that makes new challenges for challenges for people like you and I, right? As caregivers for older parents. So with that as our background, you had mentioned Hank, and we're, I do want to get into that, uh, that digital platform. But before we get there, let's talk about as we age, I know one of the things that happens is we start to lose, a lot of us start to lose that sense of community and those social bonds and interconnectedness. I know that science has shown that the bigger our social circle is, really the longer and happier our lives will be. Talk to us about the importance of maintaining or building and maintaining social connectedness, specifically for those people as we're aging. You're right. Bigger social network has been shown to be really good for a lot of things, including mood and how you engage in physical activity and how long you live. And for older people, it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily doomed if you don't have a big social network because it is, there are these life events and transitions that happen. And it's not like all of a sudden when you turn 65, you have this loneliness gene and the rest of your life is really bleak. There are life events like the death of a spouse or a friend. Maybe your adult children have moved out of state or out of country. Retirement is honestly like that's a big way that some people lose social connections or purpose in their life. But with older people, they also, research has shown that older people do like to sort of prioritize really close emotional ties. And so as their network decreases, they still get a lot of meaning out of these very close social relationships. And there's actually a theory called the socio-emotional selectivity theory. I don't know if any listeners are familiar, but it was created by Laura Carstensen and colleagues at Stanford. And it basically talks about that exactly. So when you're younger, you have this more expansive view of time. So, oh, I have a lot of time. I can try a lot of things. I can diversify my social network. I can take risks. And as your time becomes more limited when you're older, and I've heard this actually anecdotally from some Hank members, you really want to do the things that you truly care about and you want to do them with close emotional ties. So those can be just as important as having this big diverse social network of acquaintances and neighbors and friends and family. So I'll just start there. But I will say, you know, there's so much research on loneliness and social isolation, which are two different things. And I can touch a little bit on that, but there are real implications for health and wellness when it comes to loneliness. So it's been associated with higher incidence of cardiovascular disease and stroke and dementia, depression, and anxiety, the list goes on. And they, you know, researchers think that it's also bi-directional. So not only does loneliness cause, you know, you're not, not only are you, if you're lonely, you're more likely to have a stroke, for example. But if you have a stroke, 
you might become less mobile, less confident interacting with people. Your social life becomes a little less vibrant. You might not go out as much. And so it's sort of this bi-directional relationship. And I think it's important when we talk about these different terms, loneliness, social connectedness, social isolation. Loneliness is subjective. So being alone and being lonely are not the same thing. You can have, you can be socially isolated, which is an objective measure of basically how many social ties you have, how big is your network. Social connectedness is the subjective evaluation of how close your ties feel, how constructive and meaningful your relationships are. And loneliness is basically the opposite of that. So a disconnect between the social ties that you have and the social ties that you want. Yeah, so thanks for pulling that apart a little bit, because it is interesting to think that people can be lonely and still surrounded by people. And then there's the the distinction between loneliness and social isolation. And I hadn't really thought about that in the, as you age, obviously our, your time frame shrinks, right? When you're young, you, you're you immortal, right? You're alive forever. And then as you get older, your, your time frame shrinks, and maybe we're a little more selective how we spend our time or who we spend our time with and how we invest our time. So what are some tips for people as they're aging to stay socially engaged, socially active? What do you recommend for people basically 55 and older as they find themselves, especially I, I, I can see how these big life changes, like for most of us, you know, it, I'm, I'm 58, for example. So in just this stage of my life, my, I'm an empty nester now. It's my wife and I and the kids are gone. I've changed careers and I'm doing something different than I've done my whole entire life. So that's a big upset in kind of my social circle as well. How do we, and then I'm, I can envision, you know, I'm looking at, say, my parents and their social circles have shrunk way down. How do we stay connected as we move through these life events? So people listening to this podcast are probably somewhat tech savvy. I mean, they're getting, they're, they're listening somewhere where they've, you know, access this online. And so I'm obviously going to talk about technology because I think it's impossible not to this day and age, especially with COVID, being able to use technology, if you have, if you are spanning geographical distances or you have physical limitations, technology is so valuable to promote social connection. And there was a study by AARP done in 2020 that looked at people 50 and over in their tech use. And obviously that's a wide, that's a wide age range. So you keep in mind like 50 and over is very different from 75 and over. But they found that almost half of people felt that tech was more positive. They had a you know a better view of tech after COVID. So like this really important mm. piece of staying socially connected when you're physically distant. And about fifty wanted fifty percent wanted to learn more about technology, but there are some barriers. So I think it was a third you know lacked confidence in using some of the technology tools. Um, and there also cost of high speed internet was a problem for about 60%. And also privacy concerns for like a whopping over 80% of people were concerned that their information wouldn't be secure. So there are some barriers to using tech, but it's also incredibly important. And it's really interesting. There was a study that multiple studies that have looked at tech use among younger people and older people. And they use it differently. So you hear, you know, you hear a lot of the downsides of using social media, for example, among younger people. And, you know, you can compare yourself to others. You can be kind of like 
aimlessly scrolling. Older people do seem to do less of that passive scrolling and more of the pursuing emotional goals. And that could be like tagging their grandchildren in photos or chatting directly with someone. And that direct communication versus passive scrolling, it actually makes older people feel better than it does for younger people. So there's that difference there. Another really cool finding, it, it, this was a study done actually by a former classmate of mine, Lee Jung Kim at UT Austin. And they, they found not only, you know, do you use social media and that's the end, but social media can really complement in-person interactions. And that's where Hank comes in. And I'll talk about that in a second. But they looked at mood. So on a daily basis, how are people feeling when they use social media and when they have in-person interactions? And they actually found that people who did both, they used social media and met with someone that day, had less negative mood, so they felt better generally, than if you just did one or the other. And so I think that's a a big finding for me, because it's not just like, go on Facebook and connect with everyone and you're done. It's a way of really promoting or like starting the conversation for in-person interaction. And in the study, they found that this is especially true for peripheral ties or people you're maybe not as close with. So maybe it's new friends or acquaintances. And so it's a really great way to get to know new people and diversify your social network. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly degree, agree. And I'm probably on the younger side of the the, the population you're talking about, certainly if, if we're discussing this in, in terms of gerontology. But my view of social media, even five years ago, I, I didn't have it. I just, I didn't want it, didn't have it. And then as I was getting into the coaching, online, online coaching, personal training and nutrition coaching, it became apparent that you ha- that's, that's table stakes. You have to have that. You have to, not only do you have to have it, but you have to embrace it. And what I found is, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll grit my teeth and I'll muster my way through this. And what I found was quite surprising. I actually, you know, cause I, I didn't want to be that person that just constantly head down and, and just mindlessly looking at things, watching cat videos or whatever people were doing at the time. Um, but what I found is I connected with like-minded people, right? I, I found this community of people that are really interested in health and vitality and living their best life after 50. And I live in a fairly small community and there's I didn't have that locally. So I wasn't even sure if that was really a thing. Turns out it's a huge thing. So there's now I have this global connectedness with these people with these individual people and some of it's very very peripheral but some of it's actually you know i i know these people i i know their i feel like i know them i know their families i've never met them in person um but it does create this sense of community this connectedness this purpose and you know we're obviously self-selecting a little bit of our audience here because as you mentioned people that are watching this or listening to this already have embraced social media or technology somewhat but there is probably a large, you know, I still run into people when, you know, I say, what do you do? And I tell them, and I tell them I have a podcast and they're kind of like, oh, podcast. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that thing. But they have, and I, you know, they said, well, how do I, how do I listen to it? And they, they seem completely mystified by this magic of a podcast. And so there is a, still a bit of a, of a divide there. So let's, let's back up a little bit. How would younger people, and by younger people, I mean my age and younger to your age, right? talk to their parents, say, about embracing social media and technology specifically for connecting? 
I think that's a very good point and one that I deal with a lot because as I have older parents, I do just that. I, you know, whether it's really kind of practical help, like I'm just helping them log on to something or change a password. I do a lot of that too with them. But I actually, and I promise this is not just a plug for Hank. I really helped my mom make a Hank account uh, because she wanted exactly what Hank was offering, which is social connections, a way to connect with people around your age, which I think is the big difference between Hank and, you know, things like Facebook or Meetup or Nextdoor. You can find connections, of course, but I think people are really drawn to the fact that this is a community of people 55 and over. And I think common interest is a really big point to make here. So I've heard, my mom included and other Hank members, I've heard, you know, there are a lot of things I like to do. I have passions. I have interests. I want to go to the theater. I love playing bridge or pickleball, et cetera. But the friends that I do have, they might not be interested in that. Or how do I find people to do these things with? But you hear less of, oh, I just can't figure out what to do. You see, you hear some of that, but it's a little bit more of, I have all of these passions that I've developed over my life. How do I find people to do them with? And so I think framing the use of social media or technology as go continue your passions. It's not like you need to start from scratch, but continue your passions and find people that like the same things that you do. And so, you know, my, my I, I live in LA now. My, my parents are here too. Hank right now is based in New York City, but it's expanding very quickly to other cities around the country. And my, my mom, she you know, is planning on making specific trips to New York just to find that community. And so that says a lot. Like if you're getting on a plane from LA to New York because this social network has things that you're really interested in and people that kind of automatically are grouped together around those interests, it you know, must be important. I like that. And I want to dig into Hank here in just a second. But um, it seems to me that as we're talking about helping older generation embrace technology specifically for social interaction is a good way also because you had talked about your parents being still very active, mentally active. And I know that being socially connected and being active and having a passion, right, can directly impact obviously your mental health, but just your overall health, right? Your your health outcomes. So there's a lot of a lot of good things that can come out of that. And to your point, as as younger folks that do know technology, maybe it's up to us to kind of help older people overcome the intimidation. It's really not that hard. Here, let me show you how to make an account. Let me help you down. This is how we download apps. And did you know there's a podcast literally for every subject <laughs> on the world, by the way? And, you know, you kind of help them show them these things. And I've certainly had that experience personally as well. So we've mentioned Hank a couple of times. So talk to us a little bit about Hank. It's gethank.com, right? Is the, get, is the URL. Yeah, gethank.com. GetHank.com. Mm -hmm. Yep. So talk to when people go on there, they're thinking, okay, well, there's, it sounds like you're describing there's Facebook groups, there may be other social platforms to do things. So this is for a community for people 55 and older. What can people expect on this platform? It is a great, very specific platform that basically has two different sections to it. So there are at this point more to be developed, but there are 
group, which is where if you have an interest, that's where you can talk online about it. You can connect with people. You can introduce yourself. You can start to kind of like rally around an event you might want to do. And then there's an event section. So that's where people, you know, if you want to go schedule a walk in Central Park at 3 p.m. on Thursday, you can create any event you want. And if people are interested on the platform, they can sign up. And so we have member-led events. So these are things, but like if you're a member of Hank, you can create anything that your heart desires. And at this point, we also have Hank-led events. So this was sort of to get the ball rolling, um, to kind of see the interest level of certain things. Like, for example, we've had a lot of popularity with coffee chat, is what we term them. And these are just casual conversations at coffee shops around New York City. And people are really drawn to these. And what we've come to realize is because they promote really intimate contact. So it's not just walking around a museum and not talking. It's not just going to a concert and not really being able to discuss your lives. It's sitting down and the sole focus is having a, a deep conversation, getting to know other people. And so Hank members have developed these really close relationships really quickly, which I think surprised but also inspired a lot of us at Hank. I mean, these people at Coffee Chat started planning road trips upstate and they stay in touch every day. And so and they go back to these coffee chats every single week. So I think it takes away a little bit of the chaos of something like Facebook, where there are so many things you could do, so many groups you could join. You don't really know who's on the platform. We're, we're a platform that is really focused on 55 and over. And we, all, we also take privacy very seriously and community moderation. So we're for members, by members. You know, members are able to moderate activity and, and report things that they, they think are not right. Um, and we're also keeping a close eye on the platform too. So I think, you know, we're still a small company. We, we really care about members and members' experiences and producing high quality events. And so I think that it adds a little, a little higher touches personalization for people 55 and over. Yeah, I'd, I'd wholeheartedly agree. In preparing for this interview, I went to the website, I signed up, and it's really, really, it's ridiculously easy. So that's good. The barrier to entry to, to get in and explore, it's very, very intuitive. You can select, there's a bunch of different groups, there's a bunch of different events. Didn't look like there were any, any events close to me, but to your point, that's you're spreading out, right, geographically. But not only are there are a whole bunch of groups, but if I wanted to go on there and create a group, am I correct in saying that I can just create my own group, right? I can create a, a specialized group around whatever it is I have a passion about, right? If I can't find it already on there, just like I could create an event. You're very correct. We have some niche groups. I know there's a group on there that's like, corgi lovers of, you know, Manhattan or something. We have a group of Rummy Cube game players. I had never heard of Rummy Cube. I've never played Rummy Cube. But like, it's a group with quite a few members. And so, yeah, if you if there's an interest you have, I think it's really nice and probably, you know, some kind of endorphin rush when you see other people join your group and like, oh, I'm not alone in liking corgis in Manhattan. Yeah, that that's really cool. So what, when, when you talk, do you know, do you guys keep like statistics? Do you know, like what's your, what's the, 
the most common avatar age group or more men or women? In other words, who are your early typical members or is it just all over the place? It's a good question. I don't know the most common age, but I will say we've typically seen more women on the platform. Um, and my science brain also knows that women, like there was this, some data from like 2005 to 2016, women were twice as likely as men to be, to live alone or to be unpartnered. And so I think you do mm. sometimes see, and, and there are other things involved maybe with like personalities, but you do sometimes see more women engaging in this kind of stuff out of necessity sometimes, you know, out of the desire to not feel alone. Okay. Yeah. No, I was just kind of curious if, if you were, it doesn't seem to me like it's specifically geared towards say that 70 plus, it just seems like there's such a wide variety of different, um, lots of outdoor yeah. things. And of course, I'm, that's what I was naturally searching for. Yeah. Lots of cool groups. And yeah, I was actually considering starting my own group because I just thought it'd be kind of fun to get on the platform, start a group and maybe do some events, things of that nature. So we have this, you have this very cool platform. I obviously that's right up my alley. I, I love the fact that you guys are trying to create social connectedness and keep people connected, especially in this post COVID world. To your point, what's, what's next on this platform? Where, where do you guys envision this going? I think expanding to other cities in the country is really important because we've had a lot of interest, you know, our website right now, it caters to New York City at this very moment because that's where a lot of our team is based. And so we wanted to be boots on the ground there. But we've gotten a lot of requests like, you know, I'm in Cincinnati. Do you have any events in my area? And so I think that the message here is rest assured we're coming. But also I think the future of Hank and the, the mission that our CEO has had from the beginning, it's really for this to be member-led and so it's not necessarily like tank staff is curating all of your events and we're deciding what you get to do on a Friday. It's, you know, the members are creating groups, creating events, they're chatting in the groups and they're kind of running the show. And so I think that is the future of, hey, yes, of course, we have people that are going to monitor, but I think the future is really, okay, let's expand across the country and let's make this a real member-driven experience. No, I, I love that. And that was my experience as well. The first thing I did, okay, let's see if there's any <laughs> events in Wilmington, North Carolina coming up. There aren't. But to your point, there could be because I could make one, right? Anybody in you this could. local and you could area now. could. You so. could now. Like technically, right? you can yep. rally people around. I mean, we, we're providing sure. the tool. We're providing the technology. Mm -hmm. Members can do whatever they want to like gain these social connections. No, yeah, I love that. You you had mentioned kind of member-led, member-directed, and I, I can see that that would be a, a really cool thing in addition to you guys doing your programming and events. Now, you are, are you the director of programming? Is that your title there at Hank? Yeah, I was, I do quite a few things. So community programming <laughs> okay. associate was sort of what I was calling myself, but I've also been doing quite a bit of user research or member research now. So, you know, we have people that are working hard behind the scenes, building the product. And I feel like I get to do the fun stuff and talk to people about what motivates them to use Hank. Why did they join? What events interest them? 
how did they even hear about Hank? And so those are that's sort of the avenue that I'm picking right now. And you know, I've I've gotten to know. I I feel like it's really cool to get to know people just asking very simple questions. Like one person, she just moved to New York City, and so she she said it was like a blank slate. She's like, "There's so much to do here. It's so filled with activities, but I don't know anyone." And so that changed for her. Another woman, her adult child was really worried that she would be lonely and actually signed her up for Hank (laughs) themselves. And um, so there are different different stories about why people joined and how they heard about it and what motivates them to keep coming back. I know we've had some people who are widowed, recently widowed, uh, maybe not so recently widowed. And so Hank is a really nice way to connect with people who have actually experienced that life event too. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I can certainly see that. And I was just kind of wondering when you say programming, I assumed you didn't mean like IT programming. You're not no. writing the code <laughs> oh, for, no. <laughs> for Hang, right? Yeah. Same you're for, doing for more others. of the events and the yeah. Yeah. And some, yeah. and some of the some of the user research. Yeah, that sounds like the the fun side of that. Well, so if somebody's listening to this and thinking, well, Obviously, they they have embraced technology to some degree. Thinking this sounds interesting, how can they get started? It's very easy, as you said, which I think is half the battle, making something easy and straightforward. So you go to gethank, G-E-T-H-A-N-K dot com. There are, there's a, an easy to use sign up button. It's free. Right now it's free. That's our intention is to keep it free. And so you sign up. Enter your information. Only your first name will be used on the platform. We want to protect your privacy. And we have some tutorial kind of like little pop-ups that help you navigate the site. So if you want to start a group, here's how you do it. If you want to start an event, here's how you do it. We also have, I think this is unique to us too. We have customer support. And if you if you have a question, there's actually a phone number and a live person to call. Uh, yeah. Wow. I know. Yeah. Okay. I think that's going to resonate. Certainly, I, I suppose the younger generation is probably used to chat bots and text and phone trees that are just not navigatable, <laughs> navigable. Yeah. But yeah, to be able to pick up a phone and talk to a real person, that's pretty old school. That's retro. I, I love it. It's old school. Okay. It's not inch. And I will say, like, we're a small enough company. I know who answers the phone. Her name is Trisha. She's amazing. She will take care of you. So like, that's what we're trying to breed here. It's like, you will not only talk to a person, you'll talk to a, a great, supportive, engaging person who we all know and love. So, yeah. Okay, well, fantastic. And here's here's my thinking right now. So my plan is to create a Hank group. And by the time this goes live in the intro to that, I will add my my group. And certainly for those of you listening, I invite you to obviously to, and to join my group, but even more so to join Hank and create your own groups around whatever it is that interests you. Okay, folks, here's the deal. I did, in fact, create a group on Hank, and it is titled Over 50 Health and Wellness. So if you guys go to gethank.com and just search for Over 50 Health and Wellness, you'll find the group that I built, and I'd love to see you in there. It could 
literally be anything. I mean, there's a Corgi Lovers in New York <laughs> group. So uh, <laughs> there you go, folks. We can have pretty much this, the sky's the limit. Now, just before we finish up here, do you guys moderate content? So what would happen in the unlikely event that we had, I don't know, hate speech or inappropriate content type of thing? I'm, a, I'm imagining that this is somewhat moderated for that. Is that correct? Yeah, we like any social media site that is responsible. You know, we are working on community guidelines too. So not only are do we want to be reactive, we want to be proactive. So what are the guidelines that you use when you're talking to other people? I mean, basic respect principles. But yeah, you will have some bad actors. It's just as our platform grows, I know we have over 5,000 members now. So as our platform grows, you're bound just statistically speaking to get a few people who are maybe trying to promote, I don't know, their own interests or spamming the channels. So we definitely do moderate. And at this point, like we're doing it, we're doing it personally. Like we're very hands-on with that. We'll send warning emails. We'll suspend a member if we have to. Um, but we're also working on automating that so that we can pick up on everything. Like we want to, we want to make this so that it's sustainable at a larger scale. So we're working with companies and platforms to, to sort of be able to track what's that hate speech? What do we not want here? And, and then send a warning to that member. So yeah, moderation has, it will, it will be even more impressive later and soon to come, but we are definitely doing it on our own now and we take it really seriously. Okay, good. So you're creating not just this platform, but it's a safe place, right? And people can be yeah, and, and we want comfortable. Yeah, definitely. And we want members to also be very involved in moderation. So if they see, mm. like, you know, see something, say something. Sure, kind of crowdsource it. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. also what we want. And that's the point of community guidelines, too, is if someone is not following those guidelines, definitely report it. And so that's another way that we're going to keep up to date on community moderation. All right. Thanks for that. So Molly, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all of your knowledge and your wisdom and your passion for this age group. It's I think it's fantastic that there are young people out there that are really passionate about the 55 and older community. And I really commend what you're doing. Love the love this platform. And I wish you and your team at Hank all the best in, in your future endeavors. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's been great to be here. And I will just add, you know, you talked about is there is there one age or a most common age at Hank? And I think that's a great point because I made the answer is probably no, because aging can look so different for different people. So I just sort of want to end with that. Like the cliche, don't let age define you. I think that's really a great thing at Hank is you can you can look different, you can be at different levels of activity in your life, and you're totally welcome here. I love it. Yeah, don't let age define you. We'll <laughs> end it with that. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Kevin. Okay, folks, that's our show for this week. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I want to let you know that we have other free resources over at silveredgefree.com. There you'll find our free guides with our top tips on nutrition, exercise, and lifestyle. So feel free to head over there and download anything that looks useful to you and your health and wellness journey. 
I also want to let you know that you can find all the links to the resources we discussed in this episode over at silveredgefitness.com slash episode 143. And you can continue the conversation over there as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on today's show. I really appreciate you spending your time with me today. And until next time, stay strong.